This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's The Mill with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's The Mill with Anthony Weiner. Thank you for meeting me in the middle of an hour every Saturday at 2 o'clock when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right. We try to bring some context to the news of the week or maybe some subjects that don't find their way into the middle of the conversation enough. It is a gray day out there. I, for one, am soaked to the bone. Took a city bike on the way here. Great day for city bike in that. Already we've reached the season where they're closing off streets. I think the Greek Independence Day is, is tomorrow, the Greek Independence Parade tomorrow. Um, but it is not a great day to be on a bike if you don't have – if you're not a duck. So today it, it is appropriate though that it should be raining like this as for followers of this show and for many people within the sound of my voice, it is a day of mourning. The Islanders lost and were eliminated last night by the Carolina Hurricanes. Um it was a heartbreaker. That's right. It was a heartbreaker. And Jordan and I both went through our various stages of grief. Mine are much quicker because I'm a a grown man who's been through a lot of disappointments when it comes to sports. But Jordan, Jordan kind of went through all the stages. You know, at first he was, he couldn't believe it. Then he was angry. You know, why we fielded such a team that eventually he reached acceptance. By the time he woke up this morning, he was asking about the other playoff series, who's going to get, who's not going to be back for the Islanders, who is, you know, talking about the general managers and everything else and what's going to happen next. I tell you, I've, I've said this before. It is the, there is something about the unifying power of sports, you know, for all that divides us and all of the things that we frequently say we're in different sides of things, even when we're on different sides in terms of what teams we root for, there is the unifying power of sports. You get really disappointed as a community. You get excited as a community. You share. You know, I have so many people on Twitter that I follow who are these crazy MAGA Republicans, but they're Islander fans. So we com- we commune over that. And Jordan, have I, Jordan and I have had that since he started following hockey. I've obviously been following it for a long time. So all the Islander fans out there, 
there's always next year. Um, my dad, I mentioned to you, he wasn't feeling well. He's back out of the hospital. He's doing well. Thank God the folks in Methodist Hospital did an amazing job getting him all patched up. He lives right on the block there. So that's like, it's kind of like a drive through thing for him, but they've done a great job with him. I'm grateful for that. Um, speaking of Jordan though, before we get off the sports thing, so you all heard last week or if you didn't, you can go get the podcast. I'll be here till three o'clock and then left versus right. Curtis Lee will comes in. And like I said, you can always get this in the form of a podcast. You can download the app. You can hear us on WBCRadio.com on the Red Apple Podcast Network. By the way, if you want to reach out to me at Rep Wiener, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, Wiener, W-A-B-C at Gmail. But many people, probably more than any other single segment that I've done in the year plus that I've done the show, last week we had my 11-year-old son Jordan come in to do the numbers of the week, and he did an impromptu sports report. And um, a lot of people were very impressed because he had no script. He was just kind of riffing in a very confident way, part, partially because it was about hockey and he loves hockey, knows all about it, loves talking about it. But partially because he's an enormously poised young man. You know, it's mostly from his mom. But, you know, he just had – he was very poised. But more important, there was the content of what he said. Now, for those of you who are not hockey fans, the Rangers and Devils are playing in a first-round match. The Devils had a better season – than the Rangers. They're the higher seed, but they're very closely matched. I mean, if you, you know, if you were picking teams, you could have gone either way. And after the first two games in New Jersey, the Rangers, the New York Rangers won both games and the obituaries were being written. And I know this because I listen to sports radio from time to time. And I listen to the guys who do sports here, particularly on Sid's show. And people were like, the Rangers are a much better team. This thing is going to be over very fast. So last week, just kind of as a side, I asked Jordan, what he thought, and here's what he had to say. Some of our listeners who are Ranger and Devil fans, any insight on what's going to go on with that game? They're in game three today, right? Yeah, so they will be kicking off game three today. I mean, in that series, it's been very obvious that the Rangers are just the better team. There's no, there's just no argument against that. Um, they've been better on all 200 feet of the ice. But I think this series can still go either way because um, the Devils have some strong offense. Well, newsflash, here we are a week later, and it is the Devils that have pushed the Rangers to the brink of elimination. They're going to be playing today, I think, at 8 o'clock. I think they're, no, yeah, they're at the 8 o'clock game. It's 3 to 2 Devils. And I went back, I went to FAN, a couple of other places, and I looked at some of the clips of some of their hockey guys. And nobody was saying what Jordan said. They were all saying the Rangers had this. So I'm very proud of that young man. He played some hockey today. Anyway, all all is is good in the world despite the the weather, despite the Islanders no longer being in the Stanley Cup playoffs. There's more to come. By the way, at the beginning of the series, I predicted the Devils in seven. Um, the Rangers are just not a great five-on-five team. That's all there's too. They They dine out on a great power play, and they live and die with their goaltender, something that we in – I'm not going to understand also. So let's go to some of the numbers of the week. This is a segment I do each week where I try to put some, put some context around the news with some of the numbers. The first number is, um, one billion. Um, one billion dollars is what Bed Bath and Beyond Blue buying back their own stock in 2021. When you've got money lying around, one of the things that you can do to drive up your stock price and to help your executives that have options is to buy the stock back rather than invest in your company, rather than pay back debt, rather than give money to your employees. Well, 
Bed Bath & Beyond last week announced bankruptcy. For those of you who are not New York City residents, you might not remember those blue postcards you used to get in the mail. They were a fixture in New York. Now, admittedly, it's very tough for any brick-and-mortar company. But that's the problem. That's the problem that we have now, that too many of these companies, all they're thinking about is their shareholders' short-term interest and not thinking about the long-term interest of their shareholders. And by the way, no severance for workers who have worked there as much as 20 years. So that's one number of the week. Another number of the week, the number is 0.007%. That is the margin in 2020 that a Supreme Court, the Republican candidate beat the Democratic candidate for the North Carolina Supreme Court. Now, why should you care one whit about that? Well, because in other races, the Republican won 1.3% and by 2.4% in a state that that um, Biden also lost by 1.4%. And because of those three Republican victories, the North Carolina Supreme Court, I talked about Wisconsin a few weeks ago, flipped from Democrat to Republican. That court this week announced that they were overturning a rule, a ruling that said that partisan gerrymandering is illegal. So now the legislature in North Carolina is going to go back redraw the lines, and eliminate as many as four Democratic districts, like essentially doubling the margin that the Republicans have currently in the House of Representatives. Now, why is this a New York issue? Because a similar thing happened in New York. We recently finally appointed a chief judge to the Court of Appeals, which is our highest court. And so now some members of the legislature are saying, why don't we go back and redraw our lines and take back those four seats that we had lost, we being Democrats? Basically saying what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Um, and so this is a gerrymandering. Gerrymandering people can say they like it. People can say they don't. Some people have ruled that, look, this is not the court's job. This is the legislature's job. But all that being said, it's another reminder when you get down to margins of zero, zero, zero percent, uh, seven percent, that when people make uh, raise questions about about um, elections and discourage people from turning out, these things are close. It can come down to a handful of votes. Another number is a sad one from this morning. Five, five people are dead, including an eight-year-old in another shooting incident. This one just is unbelievably, just mind-bogglingly depressing. Some guy was shooting his AR-15 in his backyard late at night. The next-door neighbors came over and asked him to please stop doing that, that they had a kid asleep, and the guy turned and shot them all, including the eight-year-old kid because he was in his backyard shooting off an AR-15. And I mention this because there's a new Fox News poll that came out this week. And this is Fox News, not any kind of lefty organization. And they polled people. Um, 45%, not a majority, say, let's get more citizens like that guy carrying guns. But listen to this. 80, in, a, in a 50-50 divided country, assault weapon ban, 80% approve. Legal age of 21 to buy a gun, 81% approve. Background check for all gun purchases, 87% approve. Anyone who tells you that we can't reach consensus on these issues or we can't decide or we can't – no, the American people are unified on some of these obvious things and hopefully sooner or later we'll realize that it's the gun lobby that has Congress held hostage. But that's a sad number of the week. And for our final number – and also to kind of kick us off a larger discussion, John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby had a guest on uh, whose voice you may recognize. And he is going to give us some of the numbers, the final numbers of the week. That's that's number one. The way we left 
Afghanistan. When we left there, we we surrendered. And I think what happened is Putin said, oh, wow, this is our chance to do this. They would have never done that. First of all, we would have been out of Afghanistan, but we would have been out with tremendous strength and dignity. Think of it. We didn't lose a soldier in 18 months. Not one soldier was, was even shot at because they know if they did that, they'd have hell to pay. And now you look at what's happening in Afghanistan. You look at what's happening everywhere. What what happened is it was so bad. It was so we left 85. You know, I rebuilt our military. We left 85 billion, 85 billion dollars worth of equipment behind. So that voice you heard with our number of the week last week, last week we did. We did Jordan Wiener this week. That was the 45th president of the United States. Donald Trump, he was talking on the Katz and Cosby show, um, a long interview. You should go get it. It's available on the Red Apple Podcast Network. He had a lot to say. He had some numbers in there. He had one, 18 months. He had $85 billion. Um, he actually, actually, you know what? He had more to say about Afghanistan. Uh, let's go to cut two for, about Afghanistan. And, you know, if you look at Afghanistan, that horrible withdrawal there, their surrender, whatever you want to call it. They took the military out first for 18 months. We didn't lose one soldier in Afghanistan because they knew they knew what the repercussions were going to be. And I was taking them out, but we would have taken them out with strength and dignity. And we would have kept Bagram Air Base. You know, the Bagram Air Base, one of the biggest in the world, it's one hour away from where China is and where they make their uh, nuclear weapons. And we were going to keep it. Now China has it. So that's more about Afghanistan, and that is what we're going to talk a little bit about about today. Um, we're going to talk about Afghanistan, and you know what? I'm not the only one who wants to talk about Afghanistan. So does one of Donald Trump's opponents. Well, I think he did a good job in many areas, and of course, I supported him for re-election in 2020. Uh, but there's also areas that I disagree with him on. I think he created too much turmoil on the world stage. I think uh, how he negotiated with the Taliban was an error. Uh, And so these are the kind of mistakes or issues that we'll bring out during the debate. That's Asa Hutchinson, former governor of Arkansas, former colleague of mine on the House Judiciary Committee. So he, interestingly, thinks that he is going to attack Donald Trump on the issue of Afghanistan during the debate. I can't wait to see that. But wait a minute. Number 45, Donald Trump has something to say about those debates. But with the debates, why would I debate when everybody is? And if you look back at history in terms of these primaries, people don't debate when they have these massive leads. They say, why Why would we debate? And I have a hostile, I would have a hostile group of anchors, a hostile network asking questions. Why would I do that? That's a good question. He raises a good question. So let's just to reset the table. Donald Trump is attacking Joe Biden about how he handled Afghanistan. And Asa Hutchinson, the primary candidate, uh, a, a primary candidate against Donald Trump, he's only polling like 1%, and says, I want to argue about that too because I don't think Donald Trump did a very good job. Donald Trump says, that's fine. You can talk to yourself because I'm not going to debates. So what are we going to do about this here on the middle? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to try to have a little bit of this debate. And I haven't mentioned uh, Joe Biden because Donald Trump did a pretty good job of mentioning him. His record on Afghanistan 
as we know, is not that great either. But when we come back from the break, I'm going to kind of unpack some of this a little bit and then take your calls, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. A little later on uh, with Curtis Leo at the top of the hour, we are going to be talking about his effort to take down the mini AOCs of Astoria. And he stumbled on an issue this week that even the most progressive Democrat would probably come down on the side of Curtis Leo. Stick around and we'll show you what that is. So great to have you on the middle. It's rainy and dreary outside, but it's warm inside here, and we'll see you on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Finding new ways to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Welcome back to the middle. That's the suburbs with Turn the Radio On. I asked our musical director, Kitty, to come up with a list of rainy day songs, and she said, you're going about this all wrong. You need some upbeat songs, and so that's why that one was chosen. It's great to have you along. We're talking a little bit about the footing of the debates, and we're using it as a way to have a conversation about Afghanistan, because it's clear that is going to be an issue, because you know when Donald Trump was on with John Katzenmatidis and, and on the Katz and Cosby show this week, that was the one that was like he jumped into. He said, listen, I want to have a conversation about this. And he, he took some broadsides. We heard some of those quotes. But I just and, – and and the 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 mess of the withdrawal is well-documented and was a a real stain on the administration. We lost troops. And, uh, you know, so the, the, the president makes a point in that first cut that we played to say that it would have gotten out with dignity and strength and whatever it is and no one shot. But l- let me just – since I know we sometimes have short memories about this stuff and, and the Afghanistan war went on for, for so long, over 20 years. When Donald Trump took office in 2017, there were 10,000 troops, give or take, in Afghanistan. And, and the president campaigned on, on, on having them removed and ending, and ending our engagement there as, as I, and I supported that. But he did have to add an additional 3,000 troops just to maintain the stalemate that had engaged there. Where the whole thing went sideways was when Donald Trump ordered direct talks with the Taliban without consulting any of our allies, without allowing the Afghan government at the negotiating table. For 20 years, we had been propping up the Afghan government, trying to arm them, trying to get them to stand up for themselves, and they couldn't do it. And then we got stuck there kind of doing it. So he was, but he then directly, directly negotiates with the Taliban. I don't know if you remember this, but in September of 2019, Donald Trump proposed inviting the Taliban to Camp David on the anniversary of 
You can look it up. And then he signs in February of 2020 this Doha agreement, which he, no, I guess he doesn't want to talk about anymore, and I don't blame him, which the United States agreed to withdraw all U.S. forces from Afghanistan by May 2021. And as part of that deal, which he negotiated with the Taliban and, and, and left out the Afghan government, the release of 5,000 Taliban fighters from prison, including senior war commanders. This is Donald Trump who did this. And by the way, we only had one American hostage at the time. We didn't get him back as part of that deal. And then what starts happening after that is that this Doha agreement, the president's president Trump starts drawing down more and more people. So there's only 4,500 left. And he signs an order just before he leaves office that says no later than January 15th of 2021, all forces have to be with, uh, have to be withdrawn because he wanted it to be on his watch. Well, the generals push back and then he said, okay, I won't do it by then, but I only want to leave 2,500 troops by the same date. So now the number of troops is down to 2,500 by the time that Joe Biden comes into town. The Taliban is at the strongest they have ever been since 2001 because they controlled more military positions. They had their 5,000 troops back on the battlefield. They were contesting nearly half the country. And at the same time, what do we have? 2,500 troops on the ground, the lowest number since 2021. This is under Donald Trump's watch. So Joe Biden comes in, and no doubt about it, it was a mess. Um, and But he had to decide, Joe Biden, do I build up the troops and violate the Doha agreement? Do I push it back and violate the Doha agreement? Because the Taliban now, in this stronger position, said, we believe this is a deal that we have with the United States government. And... So people say, well, we should have known that the Afghan government couldn't stand up on its own. I kind of think that's right. I think that was a terrible miscalculation. But by whom? 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. So then the president in that interview goes to criticizing the fact that um, – let's go to cut two where he talks about what China, China has it. And, you know, if you look at Afghanistan, that horrible withdrawal, their their surrender, whatever you want to call it, they took the military out first. For 18 months, we didn't lose one soldier in Afghanistan because they knew they knew what the repercussions were going to be. And I was taking them out, but we would have taken them out with strength and dignity and we would have kept Bagram Air Base. You know, the Bagram Air Base, one of the biggest in the world, it's one hour away from where China is and where they make their uh, nuclear weapons. And we were going to keep it. Now China has it. Well, let, let's just clarify one thing right off the bat. China does not have Bagram Air Base. But it is – he's right about the other stuff. It's 400 miles away from China, 500 miles east of Iran also. He didn't mention that. There's no doubt about it. So Bagram's not in the hands of the Chinese. It's in the hands of the Taliban. I don't know which is worse. But let's just not misunderstand something. We had 2,500 troops. Do you know how big Bagram Air Force Air Base is? It's enormous. I've been there. It's got a 12,000-foot runway. Look this up. Yeah, here it is. It, it covers 30 square miles. And what are we going to do? Are we, we got to leave, I mean, how many? Two, 3,000 troops there just to protect that? And you're taking away all the other support from the country? Leaving Afghanistan, there's a reason we didn't do it for 20-something years. Because it was a 
it was a, a you were caught between the devil and the deep blue sea. And I think that Donald Trump was not wrong to say, let's get out of there. Frankly, Joe Biden kind of eventually said that as well. But the way that this deal was negotiated to get out where we give up the Taliban fighters first, we release 5,000 Taliban fighters first, we directly negotiate with the Taliban. Why do we think that is going to empower the Afghani government when we're negotiating with the Taliban? And by the way, it it wasn't the Taliban. It was ISIS that attacked our troops on the way out that killed them. I mean, because ISIS... ISIS is is in conflict with the Taliban. So it is perfectly fine to say that that was a that the withdrawal that the that that the Biden administration did was screwed 100 ways till Thursday. But let's remember the foundation that was laid. Let's not rewrite this history. So when 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 Asa Hutchinson says that he wants to get on a debate stage. And that he wants to how did he put it? Well, I think he did a good job in many areas. And, of course, I supported him for re-election in 2020. Uh, but there's also areas that I disagree with him on. I think he created too much turmoil on the world stage. I think uh, how he negotiated with the Taliban was a, an error. Uh, and so these are the kind of mistakes or issues that we'll bring out during the debate. Yeah, so that's Asa Hutchinson who's, who wants to be the nominee. Referring to the turmoil and the negotiating with the Taliban. And so when the president, when President Trump says, I'm not going to debate, I'm 40 points, I get it as a political question. I mean, maybe I even agree with it. But in answer to your question, why would I do that? I'd have to be crazy. I don't know. Someone is, you're going to have to answer to someone about this. If you're going to stand on a stage or in a campaign ad and attack Joe Biden, Joe Biden's going to turn around to you. He says, Hey, how many Taliban did you release? I didn't release any. How many did you release? And, and then Donald Trump says 5,000. I mean, that was insane. I mean, look, I get it. There, there is an admirable foreign policy streak in Donald Trump to not want to be engaged in foreign entanglements. I get it. I mean, there are a lot of people who believe that, Democrat and Republican alike. But one of the reasons he doesn't want to debate probably is that he, you know, he bears a lot of responsibility for what happened in Afghanistan. And and I'll, I'll repeat this. When we get back, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Um, I'd like to hear what you have to say and whether you think that Donald Trump should debate. And then I also have another candidate in this race who said something interesting this week about Joe Biden um, and Donald Trump that I thought was very interesting. We're talking about Afghanistan. We're talking about presidential debates. We're talking about the idea that in foreign policy and when you get involved in wars, they're often not black and white. It's usually a lot of areas of gray. We'll be here till three o'clock. Then Curtis Lewa comes in for left versus right. You can hear us all up and down the western seaboard on western, the eastern seaboard. I guess it's your west when you live out on Long Island. But on 77 WABC, it's a rainy day outside, but it's lovely in here. I'm so grateful that you're along with us. We'll see you on the other side. to make change reaching across the aisle to work with both sides this is the middle with anthony weiner on wabc woke up on the right side of the bed what's up with this prince song inside my head hands up if you're down to get down tonight because it's always a good time slept in all my clothes like i didn't care 
And welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner with you until 3 o'clock. And then Curtis Lee will comes in for Left versus Right. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Sitlali is taking your calls. Diego on the board. Kevin supervising. It's great to have you along. A little bit drizzly out there. Probably won't have an opportunity to get the ball games in today. But you have hockey games this evening. Not the Islanders, but everyone else. We're talking about Afghanistan. We're talking about the presidential election. And we shouldn't forget that uh, Joe Biden announced that he is running for re-election. He has some things to say, um, and he is unpopular, unpopular with the electorate. Most Democrats don't want him to run, but he's going to be our nominee, just like Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. That's just the way it's going to be. So let's get to a couple of calls, and then I want to play a cut from another candidate who sounds like she's saying she thinks Joe Biden's going to die soon. So uh, we'll get to that in a minute, but let's take some calls first. Let's go to Dean in New Jersey. Dean, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. yeah. Everything you said about uh, Trump's withdrawal is true, but you may have left something out on that. Um, he also uh, took pictures of the leaders of the Taliban's houses and their children and their wives. Yes, it's nasty, but he said, this is what you're going to do. And if you don't do it, the boots on the ground are going to be meaningless because those things I'm showing you now will disappear. So that's why no one dared aim even their little pistol at an American. And that's why we were safe. He didn't just just have boots on the ground. There was a lot of stuff in the air, too. And he knew exactly. Yeah, where but here's what we learned over 20. Thank you, Dean. Here's what we learned over 20 some odd years in Afghanistan. And what we learned, frankly, for how long did it take it until until um, Barack Obama killed him? About 10 years is that, you know, these guys, they're living, they're living in, in caves. They're living in, 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 protected by the intelligence of the Pakistani government. That this whole idea of managing Afghanistan only using air power or drones or whatever else doesn't seem to work. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the Taliban, now it's complicated too, right? Because we armed the Taliban back in the days that they were fighting against the Soviets just last week. The, the, the mastermind of the attack on our soldiers during the withdrawal, we lost 13 troops, was killed. Not by us, was killed by the Taliban, because the Taliban also is against ISIS. What I'm just saying is that, is that our ulti- ultimately, we went into Afghanistan with troops because we didn't think we can enforce our will simply by air power. And that's the same conclusion that the Russians face, the same conclusions, um, that we face. But yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's, there's no doubt about it. That um, I'm sure if we're upset in the Taliban in the future, and and I think the Taliban also is under some pressure to show they can manage, they can run that government. Now, if you're a young woman who wants to go to school, if you're someone who wants to be uncovered, if you're someone who wants to teach, you're you're going to get slaughtered, and because that's who we left exposed. That's who the Biden and Trump administration turned their backs on. That's why we we try to get as many of them out as we. Um, as we possibly could. Um, next, let's go to George in Rockland. Hey, George, welcome back. Hey, how are you doing, Anthony? Always Good. nice listening to you. So, listen, I was always wondering where you get your fact from. Uh, for example, okay, uh, I don't know if it was the last uh, last week uh, broadcast or before this, you made a statement that among independents, uh, Biden leads something like 50 to 29 to Trump here. Okay. And I was wondering where you get those facts. So, okay, is- well, well, George, thank you for the call. It, it, a poll is not facts, but what I quoted that last week was this interesting question that was asked in a poll that was a little bit different from what we normally see. There's all kinds of polling that goes on. You can always look at the 
at the questions. You can look at the sample size. You can look at the margins of error, and you can try to, like, find some truth. So there was one poll that asked, do you think that Joe Biden is doing a good job as president? Yes or no? And a lot of people said no. They asked in the same exact questionnaire, they said to people, do you think that Donald Trump was a good president? And many of them, as you know, he, he was, he was not popular. He is not popular. A lot of them said no. Then they went and they asked people who said no to both those questions, meaning I don't think Biden is a good president and I don't think Trump was a good president. Who would you vote if those were the two candidates? And an enormous margin, 56 to 19, I don't have it in front of me, a brout, said they would vote Biden. So what they're saying is that if voters who think that both guys did a bad job, they prefer the guy who's not under indictment, not doing drama, not whatever it is. Biden seems to be the better choice for them. And I identified them as being kind of as independents because I think most partisan Democrats are with Biden, Biden rather, most partisan Republicans are with Trump. But in answer to the question where I get this from is there are plenty of websites that that aggregate polls and you can go and click in any one of them, see what they asked. And that was one that I um, that I used because I thought that was a really interesting point. Um, next show to Danny on Long Island. Hey, Danny, welcome to the middle. Another beautiful spring-like day on Long Island. <laughs> best, best laid plans of mice and men have gone awry. I'm going to sit in the house and do whatever. So listen, uh, the one thing Afghanistan taught us is what Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, uh, Libya, is another foreign adventure that went awry and cost us thousands of Americans' best, millions and trillions of dollars in treasure. And this was an even bigger disaster because now the enemy has our weapons. And, and now we're going to side with the Taliban because going back to the 1950s or even to when we started with Tito and during World War II, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So we're going to side with these people as they're whipping women who want to be uh, schooled or take off a mask. It's completely ludicrous. It's all very simple. President Washington said it 270 years ago. Avoid foreign entanglements. This nonsense has been going on since Jesus walked the earth, and the best way to stay out of it is to mind your own business as best you can. We don't need Afghanistan for trading or anything like that. Let the Afghanis figure it out. Yeah, well, Danny, you are, I, I gotta say, you are not, you are not far from what my position is on this stuff. Is that, is that, you know, there is this, this side of who Colin Powell said it, you break it, you bought it. But I, and I voted, I've, I, I, this is the worst vote I've ever cast. I voted for the Iraq Afghanistan incursions because I was, you know, a New Yorker who I saw blood in, you know, blood in my eyes after that attack. They said Obama, Obama. I said Osama is in, is in Afghanistan. The only way to get him is to go in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I get it. I do make some distinction though. I do think there are legitimate uses of American force. What is the purpose of being a big, powerful military if we're not going to defend our allies. And so that's going on in, in Ukraine. But in the case of Ukraine, when people put Afghanistan and Ukraine in the same category, they're missing something very important. We don't have boots in the ground in Ukraine. It's the perfect dynamic. We're providing our wealth. We're providing our, our muscle and our weapons. Yes, but they're fighting an enemy for us. And that seems to be the thing that maybe everyone can agree upon. If we could ever get that to happen, people to fight their own wars, but we help them. One thing I do want to point out, because President Trump mentioned this, he said $85 billion of stuff that was left there. That's not true. It was it was $7 billion, which is a lot. But that $7 billion just represents equipment that we've given over the course of 2005 to 2021 to the Afghan National Military Force to get them up. And look, the goal was always to stand up the Afghani military 
so they can fight the Taliban. And they never could. They were corrupt. They were they were opioid dealers and everything else, opiate dealers. So a lot of that was there. They didn't have the good stuff. I mean, there's some stuff there, but it's mostly degraded. It's not like they're been this idea that Donald Trump, they're the biggest arm dealers around. No, that's not the case at all. In fact, one of the things we did before we left is we shipped out five helicopters and sent them to, to Ukraine. A lot of the equipment, according to the Department of Defense, has been degraded or destroyed. That's $7.1 billion that of what got left behind. Frankly, a lot of it is is junk because they can't fix it and they, you know, whatever it is. I'm not saying there's none because there's a lot of bullets, a lot of armament things, uh, thing, of things of that nature. But, you know, you've got to realize that if you say we're going to bring down all our troops and we're going to get out of Dodge in a really fast hurry and leave only 2,000 troops on the ground, some things are going to get left behind. And that's nothing compared to billions that we left behind in Vietnam, for example. I mean, but it's, it, it, it's a legitimate beef. The president is wrong about the numbers. It's not 85 billion, uh, but it's a legitimate beef. And I would say if, if he was concerned about that, he had plenty of time to go get the stuff out of there. He left it there. And once you start taking out the, the, the armaments, the troops are unsafe. You follow me? So to say, well, I would have gotten out of there safely. Mm, okay. You say that, but then you, you can't get, you know, complain that they have to leave some armaments, some, um, armaments to, um, behind. Uh, next, let's go to, uh, Clark in New York. Hey, Clark, thank you for calling in. Yeah, hi. Good afternoon, sir. Uh, I've got a question for you. About two and a half, three minutes ago, you made a statement about the effect that both Biden and Trump had uh, let down and disenfranchised the people of Afghanistan. Did you mean that in the terms of the withdrawal, that that tragic withdrawal? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, but what what did Trump have to do with it? He wasn't in office at the time. That was Biden's Biden's work. Oh, no, but but Trump was the one who negotiated the deal and drew down our troops to only twenty five hundred by the time Biden stepped into office. That was that he was Trump was the one that that released. No, the. No, fi- no, I'm, excuse me. I, I understand what you're saying. But what I'm what I'm pointing out to you very clearly is that the actual withdrawal to a physical withdrawal, the babies winding their fences from desperate parents trying to get them in the hands of soldiers to take to America. I mean, that had nothing to do with Trump whatsoever. Oh, wait a minute. You can't say the withdrawal started on the day the plane took off. The withdrawal started when the troops were, were, were drawn down and sent home, when the Taliban troops were, were released out, out into the wild. That's, listen, it started out, there were 13,000 troops, 14,000 troops that were drawn down to 2,500 by, wait for it, Donald Trump. He was the one that drew them down. You can say, oh, well, they did a bad job because, you know, because they, 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 they should have had more troops there. I I agree the execution at the last minute was was chaotic. But as I said in the introduction, is that what Joe Biden had a choice that when uh, when Donald Trump said, I want this drawdown no later than January 15th, 2021, when Donald Trump was in office. And at that point, Joe Biden, when he came in and found only twenty five hundred troops left. And found that the Doha agreement had said release all these Taliban fighters had already been done by Trump. He had to decide, am I going to walk away from the Trump agreement or am I going to do my best to try to carry it out? And I don't think they did a good job. But remember, the die was kind of already cast at that point. The chaos had already begun. So to then say, oh, well, you didn't do a good job protecting everyone. Yeah, there were 2,500 people there. And then the, the most absurd things, and we should have kept Bagram at Bagram Air Base. Oh, yeah? How do you pull out all of our troops? 
What do you, you, you go hire a Brink security guy to patrol the perimeter of a 30 mile airbase? That's the point I'm making. Let's go to Pete in New York. The last point about Afghanistan and we have to go to a break. How are we doing? Good. I got a couple points about Afghanistan. People don't realize retreats do not go well. Look at Washington and revolution in the war. Look at, uh, the chosen reservoir. Eighth army trying to get out of North, the North Korean, uh, yellow area. And no American president is going to go back into Afghanistan after this disaster. And Bagram has to be defended more than 2,500 guys. You got to put, you cannot have a DNBN full replay again. You got to put a lot more guys in there and they all got to be supplied by air over hostile territory. And where, how far is that going to take us? Yeah, That's I mean, all I, got to say about I mean, that. Pete, you're exactly right. This whole idea, I mean, he's not wrong. The Donald Trump's not wrong when he said, boy, Bagram is such a is such a strategically great location. It's close to China. It's close to Iraq, Iran. Yeah, that's true. That's true in a lot of people's countries. If you're going to put if you're going to put, you know, folks, uh, a, a, a giant air base and maintain it, you can't have you can't be half pregnant. You can't say I'm going to pull out all of our troops and then I'm going to um, also keep a 30 mile square uh, base secure. I mean, here's the point that here's that I thought I think that that is is that I think that you can say both things. I think that you can say, and this is by the way what the report that was presented to Congress by the uh, eventually said that you can both believe that the way that Donald Trump negotiated a really bad deal to get us out was in too much hurry to turn things over to the Taliban, didn't do enough to prop up the Afghan government, negotiated directly with the Taliban, thereby empowering them. One of the reasons that 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 Kabul fell so fast is that all of these officers who are getting paid by the Afghan government with our money saw the handwriting on the wall. They're like, Donald Trump's negotiating directly with the Taliban. I know who the boss is. And they laid down their arms and went to work for the Taliban. But you can also then say that Joe Biden and his administration screwed it up, that we abandoned people that abandoned people that had supported us. They abandoned the women that were there. They got us out in such a hasty way. Security arrangements were not sufficient, and it led to the death of U.S. military. You can say both things, and that's basically where I come down. And when we come back, I want to – you're going to love this. One of the candidates for president of the United States said on the record that she thinks that Joe Biden's going to die soon. Yeah, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. This is the middle. It's so great having you along on this rainy day. We'll see you on the other side. big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Stay big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in store and on Menards.com. Save big money at it's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner.
That's fantastic day. Bring us back into the middle. I'll be here for another few minutes till so three o'clock. Then Curtis Lee and I will go at it on left versus right. We hear about his campaign to take out AOC and her minions. So we're talking about debate, the presidential debates that may or may not happen. Donald Trump says he would be crazy to engage in one. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have a growing list of opponents. And one of them is a former member of his cabinet. You call cabinet UN secretary um, uh, and, and Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina. She's announced that she's running. And when you're a candidate who's getting two or three percent, you've got to sometimes say stuff to get attention. And she did this week. We can all be very clear and, and say with a matter of fact that if you vote for Joe Biden, you really are counting on a President Harris because the idea that he would make it until 86 years old is not um, is not something that I think is likely. It's why I've continued to say we need to have mental competency tests up until the you know, starting at 75, just to make sure that these people deciding our national security, deciding our economic policy, deciding what happens to our kids in schools, it matters. So there you go. It sounds like she, I mean, she said it. She said that she doesn't think that, that uh, Joe Biden will make it. Let me just point out a couple of things about that cut that you might have missed. One, she referred to, we want to make sure these people are competent. And then she suggests competency test above the age of 75. Diego, Google for me how old um, Donald Trump is. And you'll One see. Second. And you'll see, I think you'll see that both Donald Trump and Joe Biden are north of 75. What do you got there? 76. There you go. So she didn't randomly pick a number. She picked 75 and she said these people. Okay. The other thing that I think is interesting to keep in mind when she says and visualize a President Harris is she's she's doing something. She's doing a little jujitsu you might not be hip to. So – she is running for vice president, okay? She, and I think a couple of people in this race are, but she clearly is. South Carolina is a very important state. It's early on in the calendar. It's the South. She's a woman, et cetera, et cetera. And Donald Trump is in the market for a vice presidential candidate. And she's also not been kind of really hard on him and whatever. She's been fine. Um, she wants to make the point that she's ready to take on Harris too. She didn't, you know, she mentioned Biden and Harris because she is already setting up in everyone's mind that she'd be a good person to take on Harris. So two things that she did there. One, she, she implicitly said Donald Trump needs a competency test also and said, refer to these people and, um, also took the run at Joe Biden that I believe is going to become the prevailing theme of this campaign. And I said it weeks, maybe months ago. I did a whole episode on the idea that if it were up to me, I'd have a constitutional amendment that would say that no one over 70-something could run for office. Trump doesn't run. Biden doesn't run. And we move on with candidates that I think might be better representing of the of the people and better kind of competent, uh, better, better competency. Uh, so that's an interesting thing that, that Nikki Haley said. Um, one other candidate, again, all of these people are showing up on the Katz and Cosby show. Do we have that cut from RFK Jr.? So RFK Jr. who announced that he's running, and I want to give everyone some time here. And here's what he had to say this week. I don't want uh, Wall Street running the country. I don't want the neocons running our foreign policy. I don't like censorship. I think I'm skeptical about war. 
So that's that's uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., a Democratic candidate for president, talking to Katzen Cosby this week. Again, available on the on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Here's what I find interesting about that: he is running to the left of Joe Biden. He called Joe Biden a captive of Wall Street and a neocon. I mean, is that so? Which is it? Is he a communist or is he a neocon? Is he a socialist or is he a, is is he a captive of Wall Street? I mean, this is the thing. This, this, it was not a mistake by Joe Biden when he got into the race in 2020 and said, I'm the moderate, I'm the centrist guy. And what is happening is being attacked from both sides kind of says to the moderate electorate, yeah, maybe he is. I want to say one other thing. Let's talk about this. Here's what, here's what, let's put this off until three o'clock. I want to talk about the thing that RFK said about censorship because he made news this week. He was interviewed on, I want to say WABC, uh, network TV, uh, not WABC on ABC network television, and they edited out a lot of stuff that he said. He's an anti-vaxxer, conspiracy, lunatic guy on that stuff. And they edit out a lot of that stuff. And he's outraged by it. And a lot of people who aren't even his supporters are outraged by it. We're going to talk about that a little bit with Curtis Lewa. Um, but as we wind down here, what I'm going to endeavor to do is whether they're debates or not, the candidates that are getting into this race are saying interesting things, whether it be Donald Trump, whether it be Nikki Haley, Asa Hutchinson, you might not hear much from them. But they're saying interesting things and they're setting kind of the terrain for this election. And um, while I do think I know who the two participants are going to be in the general election, I think it's going to be Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And I think I know who's going to win. I think it's going to be Joe Biden. I do think that both of them are going to run into a lot of headwinds. And both of them, I think that people who who care about these issues, even if you're a supporter of Trump and even if you're a supporter of Joe Biden, um, should be, should want to hear from some of these these second tier candidates, uh, for want of a better phrase. But I really do appreciate your being along with me today. It is a rainy, ugly day. It is a day of mourning because the New York Islanders were eliminated yesterday. Um, but this is always, you know, a part of the week that I look forward to because we get a chance to kind of do what the mandate, what the mission, what the manifesto of this show is, is to kind of poke at both sides a little bit. We don't ask anyone to abandon their partisanship or abandon their ideology. You can have these conversations to still keep that ideology, to still keep it. And, you know, we we do that here on Talk Radio 77. You know, I, I played cuts today from Democrats and Republicans who both came on the air to to roll out their platforms and roll out their positions on the airwaves here because that's the that's the status this radio station has begun to have. It has become kind of a must-stop place on the campaign tour. And I really do appreciate you being part of the conversation. Coming up. At 3 o'clock, Curtis Lee and I are going to talk about some of the issues going on in the story that Curtis is looking at. We're also going to talk about that Robert Kennedy um, issue. And we're going to continue to try to bridge the gap between left and right. I'm Anthony Weiner. This is The Middle. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you on the other side.